You're listening to the Black Hole Tsunami Mega Mix by DJ Clock Nova. Off the hook. Mission accepted. First rule about Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule about Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Welcome back to the You Swim Podcast, y'all. It's your host, the Captain, back at it once again. Today we got a very interesting episode. You know, we're gonna be we're gonna be discussing Fight Club, the book and the movie. If you didn't know it was a movie, or if you didn't know it was a book before it was a movie, it was indeed a book. Like a lot of good ass movies, you know what I mean? Uh, before we get any further into this episode, quick disclaimer, if you have not seen and or read Fight Club, do not continue listening to this podcast until you finished Fight Club, because I'm practically about to spoil everything in the movie, and I believe you should just watch it fresh without any previous knowledge of it, because it's a good-ass movie. So without any further ado, let's get into it, bro. Fight Club. Fight Club was one of those books that I couldn't put down. Man. Like I read a lot, like I read a lot of books at the same time, unfortunately. But Fight Club was like, I, I want to say that I finished Fight Club within a week of me buying it. I want to say it's about like 200 some pages, dude. It just flowed, it flowed as smooth as butter, man. I couldn't put it down if I wanted to. I tried, but I couldn't. Just how good that book was. Everything just flowed seamlessly into one another. Then you watch the movie, and it's just it's compliments it beautifully so if you're unfamiliar with the main plot of fight club basically the whole story is there's this dude whose name we don't really know because he never mentions it and you know he's a he's an average dude he works in an office you know he fills his home with ikea furniture you know to make himself feel full you know yada 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 average middle-aged white dude type shenanigans you know and he's doing that and he realizes that you know, going through this day-to-day basis of just working to buy IKEA furniture to make himself feel full isn't isn't helping him. And you know, as he's going through this, oh by the way, he has insomnia for about six months. I forgot to mention that. So he's been in, in insomniac for the past six months, and so he starts going to these research groups, not research groups, like rehabilitation groups, to try and um try and get some sleep i guess and you know once he so he goes to these groups it's like one of them's testicular cancer one of them's like they're support groups for like diseases and shit one's testicular cancer which he doesn't have one is like sickle cell which he doesn't have one is like surviving cancer it's basically he's going to support groups for a bunch of diseases that he doesn't have and you know he finds solace in them basically like he goes there listens to people talk or whatever and the one thing he said was he likes going there because people actually listen to you instead of waiting for their turn to speak. And so he's going to these for like a couple of weeks or months or whatever. And, you know, as he goes to him, he finally starts to get some damn sleep, bro. So, hey, I'm not saying you should start going to <laughs> support groups with shit you don't have, but it worked for him. So, hey, to each his own. Anyway, though, as he's there, he meets this lady, Marla Singer. Who is also a pretender or a tourist as he calls her and you know he just throws off his zen basically because you know he was chilling he was doing his thing living a good life you know mooching off these survivors or whatever 
and then she comes into the picture and it's like bro can't sleep anymore that piece he had it goes out the window so they exchange numbers or whatever so they can schedule when they're gonna split up the support groups because she ain't trying to play it fair or whatever so anyway that happens right and as he's on this business trip he meets this this soap salesman named tyler durden and he meets his man tyler durden on the plane and this is in the, in the movie it wasn't explicitly well this is what i'm about to say was in the movie in the book i'm gonna just kind of tie what happened in between the movie and the book mesh them all together and maybe i'll say the difference at the end or whatever but he meets this dude tyler durden and tyler is just a real eccentric looking dude he has these fancy clothes these weird glasses and he's reading the on the plane they got the little pamphlets of how what to do whenever a plane's crashing right <laughs> and so he's looking at it and he realizes you know these people are all freaking smiling faces meanwhile so basically what the pamphlet is uh, what's, what's the word, is suggesting is if a plane is crashing at 3,000 feet up in the air you're going to be as calm as a hindu cow as he said and so he asked the protagonist he asked him why do you think they have oxygen on these planes and the protagonist like so we can breathe he was like nah it's to get you high because once you're in that situation at 30,000 feet with a plane ripping itself apart you're going to take very deep breaths of that oxygen and that oxygen is getting you high it's going to make you feel euphoric so to the point where you've just accepted your fate that you're going to die and you're no longer panicking which will obviously make the situation easier for everybody if you just accept what's about to happen so that's the whole point of the oxygen in the plane and so he's explaining that whatever whatever explained that he sells soap to the dude and you know they go about their way once the flight is over yada 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 and the protagonist gets back home from a business trip or whatever and his damn apartment's blown out the window like of all the apartments in the apartment complex his is the only one that got blown out the window somebody blew it up somehow some way and he's sitting there and he's looking at all his stuff on the floor and he's thinking this is embarrassing man i got a fridge full of condiments and no food all these things that I work so hard to get, this IKEA furniture, bro, this is me. This is my identity, and just up in flames outside the freaking window in the middle of the street. And he's sitting there, and he's like, bro, what the hell? And so he's thinking, well, I mean, I gotta call somebody. I gotta find somewhere to stay. And so at first, he takes out Marla Singer's number, calls her. She picks up, and he's just like, ah, forget this. This is a, this is a bad idea. And he's about to leave the payphone. Then he, like, reaches into his pocket, and he's like, oh, shit. I got Tyler Durden's number. I might as well call him. So he calls Tyler Durden, Durden doesn't pick up. And so, you know, he hang, puts the payphone back up on the thing and he walks out. And then the, the phone starts ringing and he goes to pick it up. He's like, hello? And Tyler picks up and they're like, yo, who's this? Yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, oh, it's, it's the funny dude from the, from the plane, the, the clever dude, because he told him <laughs> the protagonist's uh, philosophy was everything on a plane. And whenever you go on these hotel trips, they're all... Um, sample size right you got sample size friends you meet on the plane you only got to talk to them for about the two hours you're on the plane and you're never going to see them again right so tyler's a sample size friend because they got the little sample size soaps tiny toothbrushes all that fun stuff <coughs> and so you know tyler's like oh it's the clever guy yada, yada, yada. and then the narrator's like you're not going to believe what happened so then it flashes forward a little bit and they're at the bar chilling or whatever and they're going on the protagonist is basically explaining to tyler how all that stuff that you work for became his identity. And Tyler's like, dude, you're slave to consumerism, man. Like, all that IKEA furniture you got in your house, that isn't you. 
that doesn't make up who you are it's just things and the protagonist like i mean yeah you're right but i mean that's what i've worked for my whole life and he's like tyler's like well maybe maybe this is just me and i'm crazy but i think well what's the point of all this stuff you know what i'm saying like he said for example what's a duvet a duvet is a cover it's a blanket right but for some strange reason we gave it this fancy name of a duvet and it costs like $30 to have or whatever. You got to have the finest one, the finest freaking table you're going to sit at twice a month for no reason. That's what you're working for. And so, you know, they get to the, eventually they get to the end of the night. And Tyler's, the narrator basically ends up asking Tyler if he can stay with him, right? And Tyler's like, all right, I'll let you stay with me. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. The narrator's like, bro, the hell are you talking about? Hit you as hard as you can. That doesn't make any sense. And Tyler's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hit me before I lose my nerve. He's like, you ever been in a fight before? He's like, no, neither have I. How much you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? And the narrator's like, dude, you're fucking crazy, bro. What are, what are we going to prove right now? And he's like, just, just hit me. Just hit me. And so the narrator hits him, right? And he hits him like awfully. He hits him in the ear or something. And Tyler's like, ah! <laughs> And then, so basically, the the Tyler hits him back, and they just start fighting in the middle of the street, right? And then, like, it gets to the end of the fight. They're sitting there, like, narrator's like, we should do this again sometime. And he's like, Tyler's like, yeah, you might as well. So, you know, they get at Tyler's crib, yada, 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 yada. Stuff happens. We figure out Tyler's job. <laughs> Watch the movie for that part. It's pretty funny. And so, you know, they, <coughs> they start this thing with every Saturday. You know, the narrator and Tyler just go to this empty parking lot of this bar and they just start fighting each other bare knuckle in the middle of the street. And whenever they're fighting each other, it's not out of like hate or anything. It's just they're finding some sort of satisfaction from it. You know, it's like it's like a form of meditation for them, just beating the hell out of each other. And so, you know, they're doing this week and week, week in, week out, every weekend. And they go to they go to their jobs or whatever. The bosses are asking like, What'd you get into last weekend He's like I fell or whatever He's going in with black eyes and bruises and whatnot. And you know as weeks pass by Go further and further You know more people want to start Taking turns Beating the life out of each other basically And so you know then eventually It gets to the point where there's so many people That they got They can't do it in the parking lot anymore They gotta do it in the um, In the basement of this bar that they were originally at, right? And so then they create this thing known as Fight Club. And there's some rules to Fight Club, right? It's every Saturday, of course. But first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule about Fight Club, no shoes, no shirt. Fourth, oh, I lied. Third rule of Fight Club, if the other person says stop or goes limp, the fight's over. Fourth rule of Fight Club: No shoes, no shirt. Fifth rule of Fight Club: If it's your first fight, of, if it's your first night of Fight Club, you have to fight. Now, I, I could have just got the order all wonky or whatever, but basically that's how the rule set goes. So they got these rules, right? Every Saturday night, just men, shirtless men, no shoes, nothing, just pants on, in the middle of this basement floor beating the life out of each other and like i said it's not out of hate or anything there's no negative feelings whenever you're fighting in fight club it's just it's therapeutic you know they're tired of living day to day as slaves to consumerism everyday lives or whatever just living so they can buy things they don't need like for example tyler says one of his speeches at one of the fight club meetings is if i remember correctly he said 
Advertisement has us chasing cars and clothes. We work in jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We've no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been taught by television to believe that we'll someday be movie gods and the television stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that. And we are very pissed off. So basically what Tyler's teaching them is they've all become slaves to this idea of, oh, the more stuff you have in life, the more value your life has. In reality, that's the exact opposite. The things you have in your life, you know, these materialistic things, fancy cars, fancy clothes, they're not helping you in any way, shape, or form. They're not making you any more of a man than anybody else. He believes that, you know, truly being a man is, you know, showing up to Fight Club or even in more of a figurative term, you know, not becoming a slave to this whole propaganda of materialism, you know, consumerism, breaking free of the chains, you know, as he calls it, hitting ground zero. It's basically self-destruction. Like he said, self-improvement is masturbation. Tyler's whole theory is the only way to truly live is to just completely let go of everything. Basically self-destruction, right? So going up to Fight Club, getting your freaking nose broken every Saturday is more fulfilling and more... What's the word? More closer to... It's, it's more more being alive than just working a nine to five so you can buy fancy clothes and cars and you know as the as the story goes on they start to stake the up the stakes even higher and higher right so instead of just simply self-destruction of oneself they start doing destruction of property right like project mayhem basically grows from this whole ideal of self-destruction and so project mayhem first rule of project mayhem is you do not ask questions about project mayhem for Project Mayhem, basically, it's like you get an assignment, right? Like you gotta go pick a fight with a stranger or something. Or you gotta go put a gun to their head and make them truly live their lives. You gotta watch the movie to more understand that part. But basically, figuratively, the idea of Project Mayhem is Tyler has become sort of a father figure for these ch men who don't have father figures in their lives. Because one of the other things that he said in the movie before project mayhem started i think it was after their first fight him and the narrator he said um he was explaining how both of them didn't know their father so they were basically raised by women right and so he's explaining like it was really important for tyler to go to college his dad said you know so he goes to college or he graduates high school no he goes to college he calls his dad long distance he's like so dad what now He's like, get a job, okay? He gets the job. Five years later, he calls his dad. He's like, okay, dad, I got a job. What now? He's like, get married. And the narrator's like, I can't get married. I'm a 30-year-old boy. And Tyler's like, <laughs> he said, <laughs> I found this was really funny. He said, um, we're a generation of men raised by women. And you really think the answer I need is another woman? Or he's like, he's like, he says, I'm like, ah, oh, I, I fucked that up. Damn, I gotta redo it. He said, we're a generation of men raised by women. And I'm wondering if another woman is really the answer I need. Answering to his father, right? Telling him to get a wife. I mean, he was raised by women, and where'd that get him? It didn't really get him anywhere. I'm not being misogynistic or anything, but growing up fatherless, you know, you kind of put in advantages, basically what Tyler's saying. So Tyler becomes his father figure for Project Mayhem. And, you know, stuff starts to go further and further into Project Mayhem. 
the stakes get higher and higher, the things they're doing start to get more and more self-destructive. And, you know, after a certain point in time, the narrator and Tyler, they kind of grow distant, right? So the narrator doesn't really know what's going on, the Project Mayhem. He's being kind of left in the dark. He can't even find Tyler. There's people in Project Mayhem who won't tell him where Tyler is. And he's like, yo, what the hell is going on here, right? And so, you know, after like a few chapters or weeks or months or whatever, you know, he calls up Marla Singer or whatever. So they kind of, Marla Singer has this relationship with Tyler, right? But the thing is, Marla Singer and Tyler are never in the same room. And Tyler's forbade, unless they're having sex, that's the only time they're in the same room. But aside from that, they're never in the same room. And Tyler's forbade the narrator from talking to Marla Singer about him, right? And so one day something happens. And so the main, the narrator, he's going around cross, cross country because different fight clubs are popping up in different countries or whatever. Everybody's calling him sir. Like he'll ask somebody at a fight club, be like, have you seen Tyler Durden? They'll be like, no, sir. And everybody's calling him sir. Everybody in fight club is always calling him sir. Like, all around, all around the U.S., everybody's calling him sir for some reason. He's like, why are they all calling me sir? They're giving me free stuff and all this stuff, right? And so finally he gets to this bar in, like, Oregon or something. And he's like, um, <clears throat> he asked the bartender. I guess he had a fight club set up there. And he's like, do you know Tyler Durden? Have you seen Tyler Durden? And the bar manager, he's like, is this a test, sir? And he's like, what, what are you talking about? Is this a test? No, it's not a test. Have you seen Tyler Durden? And he's like, what do you know about Project Mayhem? And he's like... The first rule of Project Mayhem, don't talk about Project Mayhem, yada yada. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, sir, but this is a test. And he's like, no, it's not a test. Have you seen Tyler Durden? And he was like, well, sir, you were here yesterday, asking about security. And, he's, and the narrator's like, what, what are you talking about? I was here yesterday. He was like, you were here yesterday to talk about the security for a fight club to make sure it was secure. And the narrator's like, whatever, dude, I'm leaving or whatever. And so he gets to, um, he gets to Marla Singer and he's tripping out about something, right? Because his his relationship with Marla is kind of wonky because he kind of likes her, but Tyler kind of screwed it up and he started banging her. And then he was, Tyler was like, you're not into her, are you? And narrator's like, no, nah, no, nah, not at all. And so at some point he's talking to her. And then, um, so the, the narrator kind of has his epiphany. He's like, well, he kept on calling me sir and said, Tyler, no, he said, he, whenever he's asking about the bartender about Tyler Durden, he's like, well, yeah, you were here last night, sir. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? Me and Tyler are two different people. And so he's talking to Marla Singer, and he's like, he calls her on the phone. He's like, Marla, we ever had sex before? She's like, you piece of shit, yada, yada, yada. What are you talking about? He's like, have we ever had sex before? And he's like, yes, we've had sex before, Tyler. And he's like, eh? He's like, wait, what did what, you, you call me? He's like, she said, yes, Tyler, why are you always like this? One second you're hot, next second you're cold, you're like bipolar and shit. And then he's like, uh, in his mind, basically, he's like, we are now losing cabin pressure to the plane. We are entering ground zero. So basically, if you didn't catch on by now, the narrator is Tyler Durden. The thing about Tyler Durden is, remember I told you six months ago he was having insomnia? The thing is, whenever he's having those insomnic episodes and he can't sleep, he, he subconsciously created this character, Tyler Durden, which expresses the beliefs that he himself doesn't really have the balls to express, you know what I'm saying? Like, doesn't have the courage to express, right? And so he created this person, Tyler Durden, who looks like how he wants to look, acts like how he wants to act, talks how he wants to talk and all this fun stuff it's basically his like 
his his alter ego essentially but it's a split personality and he's going through this whole thing thinking it's two different people but in reality Tyler Durden was always him and it's just like the biggest mind fuck on earth because it's just what do you do at that point bro like your best friend for the past few months has been you the whole time like what happens then bro you know what I'm saying like there's, there's no easy way to comprehend that and so yada 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 it gets to the end of, I'm gonna just skip to the end of the movie because hopefully you've seen it if you haven't seen it yet and you're still listening stop right now go watch the movie and come back so the, the ending of Fight Club is really interesting because there's two different endings in the book the narrator shoots himself in the mouth um, there's some stuff that happens before that obviously but he's well aware that Tyler is him he shoots himself in the mouth and he wakes up in heaven as he calls it and God he talks to and he's explaining to God how they're not perfect little snowflakes everybody's the exact same nobody's special or anything like that basically Tyler's whole philosophy and he's like well that's not the case we just are or whatever and so basically he's in heaven and he's explaining how in heaven every now and then he gets like no he gets three meals a day yada 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 there's like white walls or whatever so basically they said yeah you'll be out one day soon and some of his followers say we're waiting for your return Mr. Durden so basically the way I interpreted it this heaven that he granted access to was actually just a mental hospital and he checked into a mental hospital because obviously dude is an insomniac with schizophrenia I mean if you're not going to a mental hospital I have some very serious questions (laughs) but anyway so that happens that's the book ending the movie ending so Project Mayhem their whole plan is to destroy all the credit card buildings to erase all the credit card debt in the city everybody starts at zero you know an evil playing field obviously this will ensue mass chaos in the freaking city right so um, the narrator puts a gun into his mouth shoots the gun in his mouth which kills Tyler Durden right and allows the narrator to finally be himself which I mean he was Tyler Durden all the time but basically now Tyler Durden is dead and it's just the narrator and Marla Singer comes up and he finally confesses her love to her and they're standing on this um they're standing in this skyscraper building right looking out the window and remember I told you Project Mayhem's plan was to destroy all these buildings with explosives right and so as he finally confesses her love to her he's like even me at a very strange point in my life all these buildings explode so Project Mayhem went exactly as planned everybody's starting at ground zero and the movie's over so it's it's, it's, it's a pretty good ending right so that's that's basically Fight Club now, this is where this is, this is where the fun part begins right? <clears throat> in my opinion Fight Club is one of the most dangerous movies I've ever watched in my life and the thing that makes it so dangerous and it's pretty sad because so many people misunderstand the meaning of Fight Club, right? Like they watch Fight Club to be like, yeah, I'm a slave to consumerism. I need to break free, self-destruct myself, and go join a Fight Club. That is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. The thing that makes Fight Club so dangerous is it shows you exactly what not to do, but it shows you what not to do by showing you the characters doing it. It makes it seem so thrilling and captivating. And just like so fun to enjoy right like of course i mean i watched the movie myself and i was sitting there i was like like i i had the mental 
the mental space I was in, I was like, yeah, this is showing me what not to do. But I became kind of vulnerable at one point in the movie. I was like, yo, maybe I should go join a fight club, right? But then I had to catch myself, reel myself back in. Like, no, 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 that's exactly what they want you not to do. That's what he's telling you not to do. <laughs> it's telling you not to join a fight club, not to go join a fight club. Yes, it's, it's kind of tricky, though, because, yeah, we are slaves to consumerism, unfortunately. So it's telling you to be aware of that, but not to completely self-destruct yourself, right? So that's the that's the tricky part about it. You can't, whenever you watch it, you kind of, it's not for the, the faint of heart, right? It's not for the mentally weak. Because if you're mentally weak and you watch Fight Club, you're going to go join a Fight Club and self-destruct yourself, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. And that's what makes Fight Club so great. It's like, it's showing you, like I said before, it's showing you what not to do while showing you people doing it. It's like those dare ads, right? Why, why do you think everybody and their mom that watched, that went to freaking the dare graduation, I'm never going to do drugs, half those kids are potheads now, right? Because they showed you exactly what not to do by showing you how to do it. And like, I don't really know who's at fault for that, right? It's like a paradox, right? It's like, it's, I'll, just, I'll touch on this in detail another day. Like my theory is, is the human, are humans naturally disobedient or are we naturally curious right so like i tell you not to look left it's the one yeah, thing so it's like who's to blame for that i literally told you it's not like, to do one singular the thing people you can look any other direction but left not explicitly and now the only direction you want to look is left right the same thing with there like people they tell us not to do drugs realize you're not supposed for whatever reason we feel the need to be curious and go like a self-preserving paradox and now those kids are graduated from there and now part you know what i'm saying and like Fight Club is one of those self-preserving paradoxes. You know? If you watch it without the right mindset, you're, you're going to get screwed over, man. You're going to head down that path of self-destruction, which, as it implies in the name, doesn't end very well. So, yeah, if you take nothing else from this episode, don't self-destruct yourself, but watch Fight Club. Yeah, and don't talk about Fight Club, or we will find you. But that's all I got for you, y'all. I could probably go deeper into it, but I lost my train of thought, and the new Chainsaw Man's out. Ciao! Thank you once again for joining the Archangel with us. It has been your host, the Captain. Once again, stay safe, be safe, take it easy. Peace.